Hey, so we are in the final week of our annual Tough Question series. We always have a lot of fun going through this. Um, as a preacher, it's fun, but I'm also always glad when it's over uh, because it just, the study time kind of increases quite a bit, uh, a little more demanding. Uh, and today we're, we're going to end with this question that is really important and central to the life of every human being. And the question is this. What kind of prayers does God like? How, I mean, how should I pray? This last summer, we got to spend a couple weeks, or one week, I wish it was a couple weeks, one week in Colorado, and uh, one evening, just before the sun went down, uh, uh, we were just kind of hanging out, and I decided to go for a jog, and so I kind of jogged down this road and through this park, and there's quite a few people, and I took this, I saw this little trail, and I just took it, and I was kind of meandering away from the park, and I realized you know, after one or two curves, I was kind of out in just the middle of Colorado in the nowhere, in nowhere, and just mountains and me and uh, field. And I came around a corner and I saw a deer just a, a little ways over. And I actually snapped a picture of that deer while I was standing right there. And you can, it's a terrible picture. Um, it was the worst photography ever. But there in the brush, you can see there's a deer. That's a thing out there. This is kind of like pictures of the Loch Ness monster. Um, but, 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 but just trust me, there was a deer there. And you may be able to just tell even in that grainy picture that the deer isn't looking at me. And at first I thought that was cool, and then I thought about why it would not be looking at me. And I slowed down, and after I took the picture and I looked, and I realized when I first came around the corner, the deer quickly glanced at me, and then it turned its attention back to this real kind of big area of just a thicket that you couldn't even see into. And the deer was about 50 yards away from this area of thicket, and I was about 20 yards away from it. And it dawned on me, the deer is more concerned about what's in the thicket than the dude running down the trail. And that really scared me. And so I ran back really fast. <laughs> the people in the park were like, man, that guy has really picked up his pace. Um, best, uh, best run ever. And uh, I just kind of laughed about that. But I was thinking that sometimes when you realize someone or something else is in your presence, it's really scary, right? You're like, Ooh, is there something here? Is there something scary out there? But at other times, it's the very thing you want. Ever walked into a house and somebody is supposed to be there, but it's all quiet, and what do you do? You're like, hello? Is anybody here? And you want to hear that familiar voice say, I'm in the back room, because then you know, oh, it's all okay. Everything's fine. And there is nothing more beautiful than to know that God is in our presence, and that when we say, hello, God hears us, and he's there with us. It's one of the most assuring things uh, that we read about in all of Scripture throughout the Bible. When people prayed, they, they realized, God hears me. I'm right in his presence. I'm right, he's right here with me. And so this morning, I'm actually going to preach this sermon kind of backwards, um, typically, we kind of start with the scripture and work our way from there, or start with kind of a story. But here's how this is going to work today. I'm going to give you three principles that I kind of see from the text, but I want to tell you the principles first. Then we're going to read the text, and it's going to be Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 10. If you have your sermon page out and want to take notes, uh, you can write these things down as well. So we're going to read two scriptures from Mark 10, and then we're going to share one story 
of how this has played out into the life of a Highland Park member, and uh, somebody's going to be joining me here on the stage in just a little bit. So we're going to do three principles, two scriptures, and then one story. And uh, I just want to start with these three three principles. And you could preach a hundred stories, a hundred sermons about the same topic, and um, there's just so much here. And so I just wanted to kind of boil down something today that would be really helpful for us and make a difference in our lives and in our prayer life especially. And so three principles for praying. The first is with expectation, or if you like alliterations and everything to start with the same letter, you better write down the word hope, Um, okay, because the other two are are, uh, H's as well. But I kind of like the word expectation, to pray with expectation, because sometimes when you hope for something, it feels like it's a step farther to expect something, And again, if you just were to run through the entire scriptures and look at how people prayed, this was a common denominator. They prayed with expectation. They expected God to answer them. They expected God to hear them. They did not always expect God to do everything that they asked, but they expected God to do something that God was hearing and listening. And so when we pray, we pray with this expectation, this hope, this knowing and trusting that God hears us. And through, throughout Scripture, I got to share with our um, youth group students this last Wednesday, throughout, throughout the Bible, God has spoken. Throughout history, God has spoken to mankind. And we go all the way back to the Old Testament. He typically speaks to us uh, as God the Father, oftentimes in this loud voice or coming right down close to mankind, but uh, God the Father speaking. And then we keep kind of turning the pages in our Bible. We get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And how does God speak to us? through his son, through Jesus who came to earth. And then if we, if we keep on going, we get to the book of Acts and Jesus has ascended to heaven and how does God speak to us? Then typically through the spirit. We see the work of the Trinity, God always speaking to us. And he can speak to us however he wants, whenever he wants, but this seems to be a typical way. And we also know that throughout the course of history and still to this day, God speaks to us through scriptures through his word. He speaks to us in still small voice. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He speaks to us sometimes through our Christian friends, uh, a word of help or encouragement or warning to us. So when we pray, we pray with expectation. We pray with hope. That's number one. The second thing is we pray with honesty. Again, if you look through the scriptures, you just don't see many fake prayers. You see people being real. Sometimes you even see them being raw, really wrong. Read the Psalms. I mean, David was kind of just laying his heart out there. Sometimes you're like, ooh, dude, that's a bit much. But he was honest, and God appreciates that. God already knows your heart, so don't try to cover it up and change it. Be honest with him when you pray. God is big enough to handle whatever you pray. It may not mean that it's always right when you pray that way, but God can handle it. So we pray with this expectation, and then we pray with honesty, being honest with God. And the third thing is we pray with humility. There ought never be even a hint of arrogance when we pray. Instead, when we pray, it's like a servant falling on his face, talking to the king. We, we never pray saying, God, I deserve this. You owe me this. Or, hey, God, because I prayed it, that means that you have to give it to me just the way I want. That's pretty dangerous. That's actually making you God and him your servant. 
So we never pray with arrogance. We pray with humility. And through, again, through the Bible, we see the prayers of godly men and women are prayers of humility. The only times we see prayers of arrogance are when they're actually called out as prayers of arrogance. Remember Jesus telling some stories about this. There's no, there's no thes, uh, chest thumping when we pray, like Jesus told the story of the man doing. And Jesus, he might ask you to change when you pray. He might ask you to wait He might say, hey, I have something better in mind than you are even praying. I have something bigger in mind than you've even thought about. There's more going on here. In fact, you've prayed this, but I am not going to answer it the way that you've said. I'm going to answer it this way because I know how this is going to uh, have an effect in the life of your neighbor or your child or your grandchild or your great, 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 great grandchild. You're not thinking about that one, are you? But God is. He's thinking about all of this. So he's not just thinking about my life. So when I pray something, it has to be with the humility that God sees much more. A couple years ago, we did a series through the book of Daniel where we had a bunch of these huge chess pieces up here, and we actually handed everyone a chess piece. And then the staff took all the leftovers and hid them in my office, and I still find them uh, about every week. Um, But the example we gave was it's kind of like imagine yourself being on an earth-sized chessboard, and you're the same height as all the other chess pieces. I mean, you can see like a couple of rows over it. That's all you can see. And yet God is up here seeing like, oh, I see if I do this, then this is going to happen over here later. And so we trust God when we pray. That means we have to pray with humility. So we pray with expectation, with honesty, and with humility. So with that said, I want to I read from Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. We're going to read these two stories that both had to do with people praying, asking something of Jesus. And he answers them in different ways. Uh, but it's remarkable to see kind of the, the similarities and then the differences as well. So we're going to begin Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. In other words, can we be your like vice presidents? Or can can we be like at this elevated place above everyone else? Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Pause right there. When Jesus uses this language, he's talking about suffering. Because the cup he would drink is a cup of suffering. That's some Old Old Testament language, and James and John would have got it. So Jesus is saying, you want to suffer like I'm going to suffer? Are you sure about this? Are you sure you want to go through all this? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So can you imagine the gall to go to Jesus and say, hey, dude, will you just give me whatever I ask for? I'm not even going to tell you what it is yet, but will you just do it for me? And how does Jesus respond? It's amazing. He says, like, okay, shoot. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm at least going to hear you out. I'm not going to shut you down quite yet. And I want you to know something. Of 
all of the dumb prayers that maybe I've prayed in my life, Jesus still listened. Isn't that cool? That even in our stupidity sometimes, Jesus will listen. And you think about how they prayed. Did they, did they pray with expectation and hope? Yeah, maybe. Did they pray with honesty? Yeah, I think their hearts were revealed. Did they pray with humility? Uh, eh. They failed that one, right? They were going okay until they got to that one. There's zero humility in this. But Jesus wasn't surprised by their question. And he asked them that question, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to be thinking about that question that Jesus may be asking you this morning and is asking you every day. He is glad to hear from you. What do you want him to do for you? What do you really want? My friend uh, Casey Tigret wrote about his um, mother-in-law who had become incredibly sick. And they were praying all the time, God, heal her of her sickness. And they weren't sure quite what all was wrong with her. And she kept getting worse and worse. And they were saying, God, why aren't you answering our prayer? And they're praying and they're praying. And finally, she got so sick that the doctors realized she has to get a new liver. And she got one. And she got better. And not every story ends that way. But in that moment, what Casey learned was if God would have initially answered their request, then she would not have had that procedure to help her heal long term. And sometimes God is thinking beyond just that day, beyond just that week, beyond just that year. He's thinking long term for us. And so for James and John to say, hey, can you do anything for us? And Jesus says, hey, just, just ask me. We have to come with this moment of humility. And Jesus does something amazing when we pray. He did something amazing for James and John. Because, by the way, after James and John are told by Jesus, no, I'm going to say no to your request, to your <laughs> prayer request. No. And he explains why. But they did not pout and walk off. Okay, so that, that's good. They did not run away. In fact, they gave their lives to Jesus. James would be killed. John would be exiled to die on an island away from his friends and family. So they both gave their lives to the gospel, even though they were told no by Jesus in this moment. Because sometimes when we pray, if we, are, if we allow it, Jesus will repaint and refocus our reality. Because we're thinking, here's what's important, and we pray it. And Jesus comes back and says, no, or not that way, or yes, but even beyond what you asked. Because God wants to repaint our reality of what we think is important so that when we say, would you do anything for me? And Jesus says, ask me whatever you want, that we actually ask him things that he also wants because he cares about us. So now look down just a little bit further to Mark chapter 10 in verse 46, because it's one thing to be asked a question by somebody you know very well, and Jesus knew James and John, those brothers, really well. But it's different, you know, when somebody you don't know very well asks you something, right? When they ask you something really big, sometimes it's a little more difficult. It's one of the reasons I love our 220 food pantry is that sometimes when somebody needs something like, can you help me with food right now, 
you don't know how to respond, and I don't know how to respond, and I love that we have a system in place that says, hey, let's get to know you and your situation and help you not only with groceries this week, but beyond this week and into your future and help you out. But it's hard, right, when somebody asks you that you don't know, and they're like, hey, can you help me with this? We're kind of caught off guard. So Jesus has one of those moments, and we learn a lot from him. So look down in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So call him over. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So Jericho is this bustling city. There would have been all kinds of activity, and they're uh, leaving. And then this man, they, they start to hear this man's voice yelling out, uh, Son of David, save me. Have mercy on me. And there's a couple things you should know about Bartimaeus. First of all, his Bartimaeus bar means son of, and Timaeus means, you know, his dad. So we don't even know his name. He's just, hey, that's Timaeus's kid. We, that's all we know about his name. He's got another name. We just don't know it. Any of you that are younger siblings ever feel like that when you go to school? Oh, yeah, that's John's little sister or Mary's little brother. That's so-and-so's kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who they are. And you're like, well, hey, I have a name too. And that's how Bartimaeus felt his whole life. Secondly, you should know if you are blind like him in this society, clearly with no family caring for him, I mean, you are ostracized to the edges of society. You are a nobody with no means to work and provide for yourself. He was doing the only thing he could to live, just trying to scratch out one more meal for one more day, trying to make it. His life was terrible and desperate. And yet he hears that Jesus is coming and he knows enough about Jesus to say, this is my hope, even my expectation. And so he says, can you help me? And when he, when he runs to Jesus, the text says, he threw his cloak aside. Don't rush by that too quickly. That may have been his only possession. That might have been it. And you know, have you ever seen somebody playing guitar on the side of the street and they have their guitar case open and that's where you throw a dollar in? his cloak likely had the money he had collected that day. And so he throws potentially all he has to the side. He's blind. He may not find it again running into the midst of the crowd and people moving, losing your bearings, all of that. But he runs, gets to Jesus, and that's when this incredible thing happens. The thing that James and John, it must have really shocked them. Because Jesus says those words. You can look in the original language. It's the exact same words. The words are this. 
what do you want me to do for you? James and John are like, wait, that's exactly what he just asked us a little while ago. And he's asking this guy the same question that he asked us, welcome to Jesus. He shows no favoritism. And maybe James and John are thinking, well, this guy's going to get shot down because we got shot down with our idea. And Jesus said the same thing. What do you want me to do for you? Except this person asked a question. Did Bartimaeus have hope and expectation? Yeah. Did he ask an honest question? Yeah. Was it out of humility? Yeah. He gets three for three on this. He asked something, and it doesn't mean that Jesus had to heal him. You know, he said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. It wasn't his own confidence that healed himself. It wasn't a self-help miracle here. Instead, it was his faith that got him off the curb, yelling at Jesus, leaving everything behind. His faith got him praying, and Jesus got him healed. That's the way it works with faith and prayer. It is God who heals us, Jesus who saves us. Not our own faith, but our faith gets us to ask gets us to be in the place where we'll say, I'll leave everything else behind. And maybe you've been praying something without leaving something behind. And Jesus is saying, I'm waiting for you to leave it all behind, to really come after and, and follow me. Maybe you're, you're praying that God would help you with something in your life, but you're still hanging on to that thing that you want to get over, sort of. Bartimaeus was ready to really be healed, and I can't tell you why God sometimes says yes and sometimes says no, even to prayers that are asked with expectation and honesty and humility. Because for me to know that would mean that I know the mind of God and I don't. And so if you're praying something and God is saying no, it doesn't mean you're a terrible person or you have no faith or uh, you're a lousy. It doesn't mean any of that. I want you to hear me say that. God hears you and he cares for you and he loves you. And there is some reason, I just don't know it, that he's saying something like, not yet, or no, or not now, or maybe later, or no, because I have something bigger in mind later, and I want to redirect your prayer or your heart or this situation. And sometimes God just says yes immediately because he sees the need and he knows it and he cares for you. I can't pretend to know all of those times because to pretend is to pretend to be God. But I do trust that God hears and that he loves and that he's powerful enough, and that he wants us to go to him in faith and to pray and to ask. Sometimes people are like, well, you shouldn't ask for things that are just about you. Well, Bartimaeus did. Worked out all right. But there's a difference between praying about yourself and praying with selfish ambition. See, James and John, their prayer wasn't just about them. It was about, hey, make me greater than everybody else. Well, Jesus doesn't want to hear those prayers. Because Jesus wants to mold you after himself as a servant, someone who loves people, someone who came to serve and not be served. And so when we pray, we want to align our prayers to what does God really want? And in that process, God begins to shape our hearts so that when we pray, we are praying the very thing that God wants to do. That's a beautiful prayer, the kind of prayers that God wants and at this time, I would like to invite my friend Vicki Hinton to come up here. And Vicki is going to share just a story of how some of this has played out in her life. 
Vicki, you can come up here and have a seat. Would you welcome Vicki to the stage? She's a good friend to Highland Park. Vicki, how long have you been at Highland Park? Well, I put you on the spot with that one. We did not yeah. rehearse it. <laughs> um, I've been coming to Highland Park for 30 years. I've been a member for 28. Yeah, wow. Just a little bit. Yeah, and Vicki has served in multiple ways, and um, she shared a story, um, and some, she's may, has shared it with a few of you, uh, may have seen it uh, or heard it, but it is just so powerful um, that I wanted you to be able to hear it. And so, Vicki, if you can, just tell us a little bit about something that you prayed and a long time ago, and just tell us that story of how God has come around to answer that. All right. So, in the late 1980s is when I moved to Tulsa, about 85, and I was living in an apartment on 65th Amingo, and they were developing this um, area down the street from me, and I read in the newspaper it was going to be an independent living center for seniors. They were going to provide housekeeping, meals, recreation, activities, and I thought, Man, I wish they'd do that for someone who's single and not just seniors. (laughs) So, anyways, at the time I was working at Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and the project I had been working on came to an end, and I was placed in a position that I wasn't just totally thrilled about. And I was looking in the newspapers one day, and I saw an ad for activities director at the country club at Woodland Hills, which was the um, facility just down the street that they had built. And... At the time, I was the activities planner for my large Sunday school class at Asbury. Um, One of the other requirements they had asked for is communication, and I was actually on a communication committee at Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and I'd always had an affinity for seniors, so I thought, oh, God's got this perfect, perfect job just for me. And so I prayed, of course, and I asked friends to pray, of course, I applied. I got asked back for a second interview. It went really well. I was told it was down to just me and another person. And then I got the letter saying I didn't get the job. Yeah, and so that was in 1989. Okay. 29 years ago. Then a couple of years came and went. And so now tell us what happened here in 2017, 18. So... I went through a divorce in 2016 and found myself needing a full-time job. So I thought, now's the time to follow this dream. Because, by the way, I still had that little newspaper clipping. It had set something in me that that's what I wanted to do someday. And with some interviews, actually, I interviewed the director of activities at Country Club and found out that it really wasn't going to pay me. An entry-level job wasn't going to pay what I needed to make at the time. So I went back to corporate America and was working there, and they were downsizing, and I got laid off in September of 2016. And I was shocked for about a minute, maybe less than a minute. And I was like, okay, God's up to something. Because I'd already decided that in April of 2017, I was going to start pursuing my dream again. And um, so I was able to get training through TCC online courses and through uh, activities director certification in Oklahoma City while being paid for um, unemployment. And at the time, I really thought that I wanted to go into an independent living community, but my training, I was uh, surrounded by a lot of people that did nursing home activities. And I also started feeling 
God pulling at my heart for that. So when I went to look for a job, I threw open the gates and said, okay, God, you know, whichever direction you want to take me, take me. And he opened the door at Life Senior Services, and it wasn't a living facility. It was just their adult daycare. And I began that job in April 2017. That was the month I had set aside that I was going to actually start looking for employment in that field. So that was just really cool. Um, I loved working there. I loved the people. But in 2017, we began having just some difficulties with staffing. The, the huge budget crisis at the end of 2017 was throwing a lot of people. They were leaving the nonprofit for something more, quote, sure. And I stayed with it, but I just started feeling like, well, maybe I need to look somewhere else. So on July 4th of this year, I spent my holiday making an update to my resume, updated my LinkedIn space, all that kind of stuff, but didn't really do anything with it. And on July 11th, I was at the swimming pool, and I'd had a bad day at work, and I was talking to my neighbor and about looking... I needed to start looking for something else. And she goes, wouldn't it be awesome? Because I just lived two blocks from Country Club at Woodland Hills, by the way. I moved back there four years ago. So she's like, wouldn't it be awesome if that job came available over there? You'd be so close. And I was like, uh, yeah, that person's going to be there forever. I probably won't. Uh, two days later, I was home from work. And I decided while I was eating lunch, I would scan Indeed to see if there were any job postings. And there was the activities director for Country Club at Woodland Hills that had been posted five hours previously. And I immediately printed off that resume, updated a cover letter, and decided I would go in just so that they could have a face to put with it. Didn't really expect to do anything except hand the resume and go home. And they said, oh, hang around. Our director might want to talk to you. Go in there. We're having social hour. Go in there and hang around for just a little bit. So I went in, just started meeting the residents. Turned out I started running into people from this church that lived there that I didn't know lived there. Um, they were introducing me to a, an employee named Rosie. I had no idea what her capacity was, and we talked for a good long time. Turned out she's the office manager. Um, I just had a great time hanging out because that's what I, what I have a passion for. And so the director did come back, and we interviewed. I hadn't prepared, but I'd been preparing all those 29 years. I could just see everything in my life had a purpose, even as a stay-at-home mom. And she called me back to come back in on that following Monday, and I received the offer that following Wednesday. So when God lays out something, he just makes the way. It was awesome. Yeah, and I want to just, on behalf of Highland Park, I really mean this. You've experienced some hardships in those 30 years, and your faith has made a difference in our lives. And so we just want to say thank you. Would you express your appreciation to Vicki? Thanks. You can have a seat. Thanks. Does anybody want to grow in their prayer life? Really, just raise a hand. Do you want to grow in your prayer life? I think, I think we do. And I want to just give you uh, three really quick things. These aren't long at all. They're just bullet points. The work will be with you to allow God to mold in you. So I want to ask you to take some action steps. 
And uh, these are on the back of your sermon page um, so that you'll have access to them later. Um, but here's just some application. Uh, there's, there's a prayer exercise on the back there that I would like you to do sometime this week. Set aside some time. Uh, you can do it on your own. If there's somebody you'd like to do uh, this with together, then it's just an exercise that you can go through that will help you maybe develop in your prayers. The, the second thing I want to just application is to, to ask you to establish a time and place to pray. Put it in your calendar. Um, there, it's great to pray at different times and random times throughout your life, but I think having an established time to pray will really, really help you. And the third thing is this. I want to ask you to try some new things. Consider praying out loud. Um, I know that you don't want to do that everywhere that you are, but if you're by yourself, pray out loud. It helps your mind stay focused. Have you ever been praying silently and then realized you were thinking about the Bears game? You're like, how did I get there, God? I'm really sorry. Um, but when you pray out loud, you don't do that. It helps you be a little more focused. Um, for others of you, you may want to write. I like to write, and so that's helpful to me. I don't even write them all out. Sometimes I kind of outline or whatever. Um, but maybe try praying some different ways. Maybe go for a walk while you pray. I know people who pray better when they walk. And maybe try that. Um, just want to encourage you to try some different things. If, if you keep doing the same thing, you'll probably kind of feel the same about it. But maybe by doing some different things, and these three quick little steps uh, seem easy, but they, they, they can really help us. And if anything, I want Highland Park to be a praying church. I want to be a praying person. And the beautiful thing is that God listens to us. This morning, we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. And one of the things that we love to do here at Highland Park is to pray for people. And if you would like somebody from Highland Park to pray with you, even during this next song, uh, you are welcome to come up to kind of the front corner over here or the front corner over here. We'll have some folks that would be glad to pray with you. Uh, if you're sitting in the overflow, um, Jerry is over there today, and he'd be glad to pray with you. Um, there. Uh, if you would like to find somebody right afterwards, that's fine. If you want to mark it on your card, somebody please call me and pray with me. We would be glad to do that. We want to help you. We, want, we know that God can really help you, and so we want to be with you and pray with you. If you would, would you stand? Let me, let me ask God to bless this time. God, thank you for caring for us, for loving us. Thank you that we can talk to you, the creator of the universe, and you listen in spite of what we've done and who we are and the mistakes we've made, you listen and you care for each person. You made them in your image. You desire for them to walk with you. So God, thank you that we can pray. Thank you that you listen and you care. In Jesus' name.